Hey there, welcome back to the PA is in, the show by PAs for PAs, where codependency with your supervising physician is a thing of the past, optimal team practice is the future, and physician associate has taken the place of physician assistant as the professional title of choice. Over here, we are redefining what success as a PA looks like and what it feels like. Here, you're going to find tangible, practical tips, the exact things that I use to escape healthcare burnout. I'm sharing the mindset shifts, money habits, systems, and processes that I use to become a unicorn PA. I now have a job that I love, abundant energy, time to spare, and work optional financial freedom. I'm sharing everything that has helped me to navigate over a decade of PA life with you so that you can live long and prosper. The PA is in. In addition to abundant time and energy, I also have a cold. Oh my goodness, there is certainly absolutely positively no way to be ladylike while blowing your nose on camera. For those of you who are listening to the podcast um, audio who didn't know that we had a YouTube channel, you can see me blowing my nose in this case or just in general um, on YouTube. Just search the PA is in if you want to see this episode in all of its glory. I'm doing weird things with my head right now. Wow, we got off track in a hurry. So because I have a cold and because you are super busy, we're going to keep this episode short and tight. But I did want to address something that has come up a couple of times in recent conversations as I'm talking about negotiating and advocating for what you're worth and the fact that you are worth more than what you're making right now and you don't have to change positions in order to earn more money, but that you have the power to negotiate within um, your current position, within the job that you're already doing, to be making more money. So as I've been talking about this with various people, you may or may not know this, but I just launched a course called the PA Pay Academy, all about teaching PAs how to earn more money. It is for PAs at any age or any stage of their career. So from new grads, I have some students that were inquiring about it. Um, new grads who are just at the beginning of their career, people who are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in and feel like they've reached this plateau or this ceiling where they're saying, oh, you're making as much as you're making. Or they feel like they've got all these years of experience, but they're really not being compensated any more than they were when they were at early in their career. That's what I want to talk about. So I was talking to a seasoned PA and I was saying, you need to ask for more. You absolutely have been there for 15 years. They've never given you a raise. You're such a workhorse. You're doing all of this work. You're making that practice so much money. You're a reliable asset. It's so much value to them. And this person said, yeah, but they could just hire a new grad for less than what they're paying me and they could come in and they could do this job. So although technically that is true, they could hire someone with less experience to do your job, but they wouldn't do it as well as you do it because they don't have some of those softer skills. They don't have some of those triage skills. They don't have the ability to see as many patients as well as you throughout the day. So if that exists in your mind, if this limiting belief that they're not going to pay you more simply because they could pay someone else less to do your job exists, let's break that down. 
So in order for them to hire someone new, it costs on average, the data tells us, somewhere between $85,000 and $115,000 for them to recruit, train, and completely onboard a new PA into a position like yours. Whether it's for a vacancy and you are leaving and they're having to backfill your position, or whether it's just because your department has grown and they need to hire someone in order to post ads, in order for the recruiter to, you know, maybe they have a headhunter, in order for whatever they're doing, in order to get people to see that ad, in order for people to apply for the position, the time and energy to find the right candidate, extend an offer to them, and then onboard them. And especially if it's backfilling a position, if you leave and they don't have someone new, they have to spend that money and then they, they're looking at revenue downtime. So the time between your last day and that person's first day off orientation where they're actually making money for the practice is dead time for that practice. They are not generating revenue because you are no longer billing for them and they don't have a new butt in that seat doing that job. So do not let this thought that simply because someone else would do it for less out there in the world and there will almost always be someone who would be willing to do it for less, that you aren't worth earning more than you're currently earning. And the second way to look at this, if you are (coughs) in a position where you're being exposed to interviewees or new hires or new grads, or students on rotation, or you're lecturing students in a lecture hall, or even just young people at the beginning of their career, if your organization has a mentorship program, if there is a way that you can get your hands and arms and heart around some of these new graduates, you can help them to also see their worth and to also be making more. Because when it comes to income, a rising tide floats all boats. And if everyone starts to make a little bit more, the APA data goes up, the MGMA data goes up, all of these sources that employers are using to say like, what is the market supporting and what are we paying our providers? And do we need to do a market correction and increase what we're paying in order to retain people because they're saying they're going to leave because we're not paying them enough? When they cite those sources, if you have asked for a raise and if you have helped your colleagues to ask for a raise, or if you like gold star have negotiated for the whole group to get more from a profitability standpoint, more from a productivity bonus standpoint, more as a base salary, less call, you know, an improved quality of life. If you have been integral in doing those things, that helps everybody else. So let's try to make it more about the good of the order. And in general, you negotiating is good for everyone. Now, if you are a new grad and you're listening to this and you're like, well, heck yes, I'm going to do it for less because I don't have 20 years of experience. I don't have that ability to negotiate and say, this is my experience. This is my efficiency. This is my effectiveness. Pay me more. I would still encourage you to ask for more. Ask for a higher base pay. Ask for a piece of profit sharing. Ask for a productivity bonus. Ask to see your numbers so you understand just how much money you are generating or just how many RVUs because you can extrapolate that into dollars based on some formulas if you just Google it. Maybe someday we'll do an episode all about knowing your numbers and sort of the importance of and where to find that information. But... 
if you are early on in your career, you are still worth more than you are making. And here's why. Because even if you're not the most efficient provider, when you're billing as a PA, you're billing anywhere from 85 to 100% of what your physician colleagues make, specifically in a medical subspecialty. And surgery, you're scaling your surgeon's profitability. So either way, you're generating revenue or you're increasing your surgeon's revenue-generating ability for the practice. So you're bringing in 85 to 100% of what your physician is. You're probably bringing home, if you're a new grad, maybe 30% of what that physician is making. So the gap between that 30% investment that the practice is making in you and the potential 100% revenue they are collecting on the other side, that 70% gap means that you can ask for a significant raise, 10 20 $30,000, and your practice is likely still making oodles of money on you. If you were an employer, which would you rather employ? A physician at 100% billing 100% or a PA who you pay 30% who's billing at 100%? It's such a better profit margin for them. It's like buying t-shirts on sale and turning around and selling them. Um, that was a bad example. But Networks have figured out that having a PA on the team does several things for a practice, increases patient access, it improves the physician quality of life, it spreads out the amount of work so patients get callbacks sooner, Um, it increases the practice profitability, it decreases the amount of time between when the patient picks up a phone call and asks to be seen and when you're able to get them in. You can have non-traditional hours, so improved patient access. There are so many benefits and let me make it exceptionally clear. Networks, private practices, multi-physician specialty groups, none and I do mean none of those practices would be employing PAs if they were losing money on them. They are making money on you and they deserve to be making money on you. They're paying the overhead. They're helping to provide the patients. They're advertising, they're marketing, they're doing all of these other things. And also you deserve to be making more than you're making now even as a new grad. That is true for everyone who is listening to this, whether you're a PA or not, but specifically if you're a PA, and especially if you're working in clinical medicine. So instead of saying, I'm not going to ask for a raise because I think there's someone else who would do it for cheaper, let's look at the people who would do it for cheaper and say, hey, here's what I've learned. Here's what's worked with this manager. Here's what's been effective for me in the past. Here's how I've negotiated well. Here's this podcast called The PA Is In where you can tune in and listen and learn how to negotiate effectively because a rising tide floats all boats and improved data is improved data. I am so honored that you guys decided to share this time with me. I'm going to save my voice and I will catch you next time. But thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to The PA Is In. If this episode has helped you at all, If the stories that I shared, if the advice that I gave resonated with you, served you, or maybe even helped you to feel a little less alone as a PA in clinical medicine, I am so eternally grateful. The very best way for you to say thank you in return if this episode has served you is a five-star rating 
and a written review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you are watching this on YouTube, do not forget to subscribe so that you'll be notified when the next episode drops. The same is true for any podcast platform. You're not going to miss, you're not going to want to miss some of the upcoming content. So be sure that you click that check or the plus so that you can subscribe and get the next episode automatically waiting for you in your podcast queue. Thank you so much for tuning into the show by PAs for PAs, where we help you design your life so you can live long and prosper. It's your turn to get inspired, to take effective action, and to become one of those unicorn PAs who loves their job, has abundant energy, time to spare, and work optional financial freedom. Oh, I can breathe out of my nose again. This PA is out.